This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. All right, Psalm 37, and just reading verse 23. Uh, In the King James it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The New Living Translation uh, puts it slightly differently, and I think even better. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. He delights in every detail of their lives. I suspect that most of us as believers, we go through life with the idea that God really doesn't involve himself much in the little things of our lives, the little details. And I think much of our praying uh, would show that. Uh, we have a tendency, do we not, to pray for the big things in life. Uh, praying for the, for the big stuff that we feel, well, God would be really interested in that. When it comes to just the little things, uh, for instance, with things like our, our health challenges or, you know, our job prospects or our children's future or our education or our higher education or finding a life partner or maybe even if you have an aspiration to go into ministry, uh, all those things in our mind, well, they're big things And God is absolutely for sure and certain he definitely is interested in all of those things. But what about the little things? What what about the things that are not really life-threatening, that they're not make-or-break things, that it's maybe something personal, something that is only pertinent to you, something that perhaps would be a simple thing, but it would be a blessing to you. It would bring a smile to your face. What about those little things? Is God really interested in those things? I believe that he is. Now, I have two godly sisters, older sisters. And uh, and one in particular now, she's, she's a widow. She lives on her own. And she's in her late 70s. And her and her late husband traveled the length and breadth of the UK and beyond, preaching the gospel for many, many, many years. But she has a very, very simple, almost naive-like, childlike way of praying about stuff, little things in life. Let, let me give you an example. And she tells me all these things when I visit with her. Sometimes she tells me it three or four times, but <laughs> when you get into your late 70s, you have a tendency to do that. Uh, she said that she, she, she loves uh, nature, particularly birds. And she's an avid feeder of birds. Just outside her front window, she has all these feeders up. You know, and she has peanuts, and she has <coughs> seeds, and she has suet, and she has all kinds of stuff to feed the wee birds. And they come. They come in their droves. And you have the chaffinch family and the, the, the tit family and just all kinds of little birds just come there. And she loves them. She absolutely loves her, her wee birds, as she calls them. And there's a type of bird now, you, you've probably seen it, but you probably thought it was a sparrow. It's called a dunnock. And a dunnock, a dunnock is about the size of a sparrow. But if you look closely, it's got a pointed little beak rather than a little hook beak. 
And it, it's, its plumage is a little bit different, but if you just saw it, you'd think it was a little sparrow. And they're a very secretive little bird. Uh, and they tend not to go up onto the bird feeder, but just eat little seeds that perhaps has fallen to the ground, or they dart in and out the hedge rows. They're very furtive, and they dart in and around the hedge looking for insects to eat. And, uh, and so they're dunnocks. And she loves her little dunnocks. And whenever she goes up in the morning, she looks out, and she always looks down, out the window down to see the dunnocks are there, and they're usually there. But she said uh, some time ago she looked out the window, and there was no dunnocks. And she thought, I wonder where my dunnocks are today. And then the next morning she got up and she looked out and no dunnocks. Oh, that's a bit odd. They're always here. Third day, no dunnocks. And she's getting a bit worried. She thought, I wonder, I wonder has a bird of prey swooped down and caught them? Or I wonder did somebody poison them for some reason or other? I wonder did cats get them? She says, I really, really miss my wee dunnocks. And she says, this went on for a whole week. And then she prayed. And she says, Lord, you know I love the wee dunnocks. And I really miss my wee friend, the dunnocks. And Lord, I would love you to find the dunnocks for me and bring them back. Now, how much more naive and simple a prayer can you get than that? This is somebody who has preached in churches, has gone all over Britain and, and led many, many people to Christ. And yet her concern was her wee dunnocks. So she says, I prayed that simple little prayer. And she says, next morning, I looked out the window, and there was a chaffinch, and there was a green finch, and there was a blue tit, and a long-tailed tit. And she says, I looked down, and sure enough, there was my wee dunnocks. They had come back again. Now, she is simple enough to believe that God truly answered that prayer, that he brought those wee dunnocks back. And she says, Lord, I, I just want to thank you for my wee dunnocks. She says, I was really concerned about them, but Lord, you brought them back, and look, they're healthy, they're well. I don't know what happened to them, but Lord, you found them for me, and you brought them back to me. That's what I mean about the little things. Now, she said last summer, she says, I was standing out in my front garden, and I was just admiring my wee garden, and I was looking around, and she says, I looked up, and there was the swallows. And she says, there was a whole flocking them up there and they were darting and diving and soaring because they, they eat on the wing, they're eating the insects and she says, I'm just standing there thinking, Lord your creation is just wonderful. Lord, look at them birds, look at how they fly, they're so fast, they're so fleet. And she says, I'm standing there in the middle of my garden and I'm talking out loud. She said, if anybody had walked past it, I thought I was nuts. I'm talking out loud and she said, all of a sudden all of a sudden, she says, about a dozen of them just flew right down and started to fly around me. And she says, I could see their eyes. I could see their wee claws tucked in, and I could see their feathers. And she says, the hair stood in the back of my neck. Probably if that had been you, you'd been running up the garden path. But she says, I stood there, and I thought, Lord, this is one. And she says, I started to talk to the birds. She says, look at you. Look how beautiful you are. Look how wonderful you can find. Look at your little eyes. Look how God the Creator made you. And she says, I'm saying this out loud in my garden. <laughs> but you see, God knows that she loves those wee birds. And that was just a little blessing just for her, for nobody else. In all the years I have known about birds, I've never known that to happen to anybody ever. But it was just a wee blessing because God knows what she really likes. A few weeks ago, Maybe I think it was three weekends ago. Claire was telling me uh, she was at a conference with a, uh, a colleague in Manila. 
And her, her son, Luke, his birthday was coming up two weeks later, and he had been praying, and he had been asking and hinting for an iPad. And she says, Lord, I couldn't afford an iPad. I just, I do not have the money for an iPad. I just, I don't have it. But his heart's set on it. Lord, I wish, I wish I could get him an iPad. I really do, because his wee heart's set on it. And all the other ones, all their birthdays is long gone. His is on his own. So she says, all the other kids, their birthdays is nearly around the same time, and they're all opening their presents, and he's nothing to open. But now he's on his own, you see. It's his turn. So she says, I'm in Manila at this big conference. There's a thousand people at it. And as we go in, they give us all a ticket each. And they said, hold on to that ticket, because at the end of it, when it's all over, there's going to be a prize. She says, what's the prize? She says, an iPad. Ooh, she says, an iPad. Oh, she says, my heart just uh, thought, that's wonderful, an iPad. So she says, we sat down, and I started to pray, Lord, hmm, is that just a coincidence? Or, Lord, would you have the iPad for we look? Because I know you'd really, really love it. And so the girl and I, we started to joke a little bit about it. And she was sitting right in the aisle, and I was one in. And I said to her, let's swap seats, because when my number's called, I want to be out there first. And uh, so later on, at the end, of it, a number was called, but it wasn't her number. And she thought, well, maybe it's not the will of the Lord. Maybe it's the iPad's not for him today. Uh, and the number was called out, but whoever's number it was had left. They'd gone home early. So he didn't come forward, whoever it was. So the girl says, let's call the next number. And wouldn't you know it, the next number was, was Claire's number. She says, I let a big yell out of me. And I ran up to that stage and grabbed that iPad. And then two weeks later, and she sent me a little video, two weeks later, she gathered the, the children around her, and she says, now look, it's your birthday today, and I know that you've been praying, you've been asking God for an iPad, and you've been praying about it. Let me tell you what happened when I, two weeks ago when I was in Manila. So she told him the whole story, and she brought out the bag, and she says, there's your iPad. And he burst into tears. And he hugged her and hugged her and hugged her and hugged her. He was just so excited. And she says, now, don't you forget, God gave you the iPad. God blessed you with the iPad. Simple little things, you see. God is interested in every single detail of our lives. He who numbers the stars, he numbers our steps. He who sees every sparrow that falls, sees every tear that drops. Amen. He who counts the very numbers of the hairs of her head counts the numbers of her days, and every one of them is precious in his sight. Hallelujah. So this infinite, incredible, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God cares. He really, really cares about every single detail of your life. Nothing is beyond his care. If he could get the wee dunnocks to come back again to the feeders, what can he not do for us? So this same God who stretched out the heavens like a curtain, who flung the stars into space, who hung the world upon nothing, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, this same God cares about every single detail of your life. Amen. Remember whenever Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead? 
And you imagine in that room there'd be such an excitement and a thrill and rejoicing and glory to God. It must have been marvelous. And then the people outside would have heard about it and there'd be great excitement and they'd be just singing. But in the midst of all that, do you remember what Jesus said? First thing he said was, give her something to eat. You see, there's a detail that could have been completely overlooked with all the excitement going on. That wee girl probably hadn't ate for days because of her illness, whatever it was. But Jesus says, give her something to eat. Just the details of our lives is so, so important. The 5,000 were fed with loaves and fishes. What did Jesus say? Take up the fragments that remain. Don't let one single piece be left and 12 basketfuls were collected. Nothing was left. Every single detail he cares about. Do you remember the demoniac in Gadara, the one who lived among the tombs, who cut himself with sharp stones, who cried night and day, who ran naked among the tombstones, and Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, and he went to Gadara, and he totally, completely set him free from those dark forces taken out of his life. And the Bible says he was found sitting clothed and in his right mind. Seated, suited, and seen. His nakedness was covered. Jesus must have told the disciples, go and get him clothes. The man needs dignity. For too long, he was the talk of the whole town, and they were frightened of him. Even the kids. He says, no, get him clothes. See the details of our lives. It wasn't just enough that he was delivered from that, but they got his dignity back again. Steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Are you a widow? God truly cares about you. He truly does. Remember Jesus on the cross, hanging between the earth and the sky, his body racked with searing pain, must have felt like a thousand hot irons were rammed into his body. And in that moment when the tongue was cleaving to the roof of his mouth and he was literally dying, he's coming to his last breath, what did he do? What was his concern? His mother, his widowed mother. Remember, he's the first in his family, the eldest. There was other siblings, but he was the firstborn in that family. And he's concerned about his widowed mother. He's dying. He's in pain and agony. They're mocking him on the cross. They're laughing at him. And... But he bypasses all of that. And he's concerned about his mom. Being a widow. And he, the main breadwinner, he's going to be gone. Isn't it interesting, interesting that he put her in the care of John, not any of his brothers, but in the care of John, the beloved disciple? See, he cared about her. 
In 1 Kings chapter 17, it tells us this, the wonderful story there, does it not, about uh, Elijah and how Elijah was at the brook Kerith and the ravens were feeding him there because of the great drought. But in verse 8 of 1 Kings 17, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Of all the ways that God could have met this need, there would be a thousand ways that God could feed his servant. He really showed that he would get the ravens, the dirty birds, to come and to feed. Many years ago, the late Derek Bingham, who was a great preacher, uh, he talked about those ravens. He says they came in their black suits, like waiters, to feed the servant of God. And here is this widow woman who needed fed more than he did. God's great concern at this point, I believe, was more for her than it was for his servant because he could have fed his servant in a thousand different ways. That wouldn't be an issue with God. But this little woman. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. And the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. A little widow woman among all of the widows in the land. And it's tough being a widow in those days in ancient times. Down to her last bite, and God cared about that wee widow woman. Out of all of the people in the land, there was that one little woman. I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but maybe she had prayed. Maybe she had said, Lord God, I don't know. I'm, I have nothing left. This is it. We'll die after this. Unless something happens, I don't know. I don't know what she prayed. But God met that need. In Mark 12, Jesus is standing it's the court of the woman in the temple. That's where the treasury is. And he's standing there. People are putting their money on their offerings. And he says that many put in much out of their, out of their abundance. They put lots of coins in. But this little widow woman had only two mites. Her last two mites. A pittance. Almost next to Nothing. Anybody looking at that would have said, what is the point of putting that in? It would count for nothing. 
but not to Jesus. He saw the little detail of her life. The smallest she could give is all that she had, Jesus said. And he noted that. And he called his disciples and gave them a lesson on that little story. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it today. Just the little details of a life. Him and his disciples, they're going into a little village of Nain. And as you're going into the village, there's a funeral procession coming out of the village. And again, it's a widow. And her only son has died. And they're carrying him in an open casket, as it were, like a, like a... And so they're carrying him. And Jesus says, had compassion on her. He compassion. The only one that she could count on to help her in life, her only son was dead. And Jesus stopped the funeral and he went over and he touched the beer, it says, the, the contraption that they had him on. And he says, young man, I say unto you, rise. And he sat up and he began to speak. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Wouldn't that be something to see? I'm sure there was great excitement in that very moment. We had been there, we'd have been absolutely thrilled. But you see, he concerns himself about every single widow. You live alone. You have nobody to support you. Nobody to look after you. You go home at night. Maybe nobody to talk to. Nobody to share your day with. But Jesus sees that and he cares about every detail of your life. He cared about the widow's bread, the widow's son, the widow's oil, the widow's might. He cares but every detail. Are you a child? And Jesus took them up in his arms and he blessed them. wonder what that means, he blessed them. wonder what he did to bless them. wonder what he said to bless them. Did he just simply say, I bless you? I don't think so. I wonder did he say something individually to them. I wonder did he do something to them in that moment. But whatever he said or whatever he did, it certainly blessed them and maybe impacted them for the rest of their entire lives. You know, and that's why parents, when they have their babies and they come and they stand here and dedicate them unto the Lord, they'll be asked the Lord to bless them to bless that child and bless the future of that child and bless the strength of that child and bless the health of that child and bless whatever lies ahead for that child. And we believe that God will bless them because the parents have dedicated them unto him and we dedicate our kids unto him. Now we know when they grow up then they have decisions to make. But I believe God will give them every chance in life because we took them to the Lord and asked the Lord to bless them. 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. If he cares about the little dunnocks, <laughs> he cares about you, doesn't he? Not some of it, not most of it, 
all of it, not just the big stuff, but the little things. He cares about the little things too. God is a God of incredible detail. He knows our deepest and our greatest needs. He found a wife for Isaac. He found a husband for Ruth. He gave Hannah a child she longed for. And Simeon and Anna, who looked so long for the Messiah to come, even in her 80s, she prayed night and day. And at last, she sees the little Messiah, the little child, the little details of life. Cares about everything that you pray for. In Psalm 139, which is a beautiful psalm. <coughs> Excuse me. The psalmist starts off talking here about the omniscience of God, the all-seeing, all-knowing God, the details that he concerns. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Now that will either bring you comfort or consternation, depending on how you're living. <laughs> but he knows every detail of our lives, everything. You know when I sit down or stand up? Let me take that at the simplest thought before we expand it. There's not a one of us in any given day could tell you, could tell us how many times that day you sat down, you stood up. Why should we? So what? It's just a simple thing. You sit down, you stand up. You sit down, you stand up. How many times a day do you do that? I don't know. You never count them. Because you think, well, who's interested? God is. David says, he knows every time I sit down. He knows every time I stand up. You can even carry that further. Every time we sit down resting in him, or every time we stand up to battle for him, he knows every single time. He knows we're at rest, and he knows when we're in the fight. He said, you know my every thought went far away. <laughs> now scientists would tell us, of course, uh, that our thinking processes in our brain is a result of chemical reactions and, and the firings of, of neutrons or whatever they call them. I don't know what the scientific term would be. But there's all kinds of firing going on and wiring going on in our brain 24-7, even when you're sleeping it's happening. But where do those thoughts come from? It can't be just chemical. It can't be just an electrical impulse. It must come from somewhere. Salma <coughs> says, God sees them afar off when they're a long way off before they ever get into our brain. God sees them. He knows the thoughts that you're going to think before you think them. <laughs> that is God who knows every single thing. You remember Jesus says a couple of times, and he knew what they were thinking. 
when he sat in the Pharisee's house. He knew what he was thinking. He knew the very thoughts of his very heart. And he knows us inside out. And he knows our thoughts before we ever have the thought. That's scary, isn't it? <laughs> but it's comforting to know that God knows us that well. He says, you chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment you know where I am. <laughs> so it's not just Google knows we are every moment. God knows we are every single moment. He knows your stops. He knows your starts. He knows your steps. He knows your stumbles. He knows everything about you. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. <laughs> now, whenever we all walked in here this morning to church, apart from you know somebody's going to say good morning to you. Somebody will shake your hand at the door. Good morning, Hazel. Good morning, Billy. Whatever the case may be. You, you know that's a given. But after that, you had no clue. You had no idea what I was going to speak on. There was conversations going on before the service started. And you entered into those conversations. But when you walked in here, you had no idea what the conversation was going to be. But God knew. Before you ever uttered a word, God knew what you were going to say. See, this is the omniscience of God. The all-seeing, all-knowing God. He said, you both proceed and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to know. It's beyond my comprehension. <laughs> and there does come a point in the things of God that's beyond our comprehension because we're not God. But we trust him and we believe him and we know that he loves us and cares for us. And then he goes on to talk about the omnipresence of God. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Huh. Can't run from God. You can't hide from God. Can't do it. It's impossible. <coughs> Backsliders need to remind themselves of that. Because every backslider, they're a bit like Jonah, who ran from the presence of God in the opposite direction to where he should have went. But he couldn't hide from God. God knew exactly where he was, and he knew exactly where to find him, and he knew exactly where to, how to bring him back. And that's the God that we serve, the God that we know, the God that knows us. Then he said, I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day and darkness and light are both alike to you. Hmm. You remember whenever those disciples were on that ship in the midst of the sea in the middle of the night after the feeding of the 5,000 Jesus sent them away he went up the mountain to pray but in the midst of the sea of Galilee a tremendous storm arose in the fourth watch of the night 
which is about 3 o'clock in the morning, from 3 to 6 in the morning, the darkest hour of the day, in the middle of the night, when it was pitch black. And they could hardly see a finger in front of them with the storm and the wind and the rain and the darkness. And Jesus is on the other side of the mountain, and he sees them. He sees right through the darkness. He sees right through the storm that they're going through. And whenever you and I are in a storm and everything's dark and black and you can't see and you wonder what's happening, what's the next step, what to do, I can't see a finger in front of me in this situation, God sees you. He sees you in the midst of the darkness of the storm. As clear as day, he sees you. And what did he do? He came walking to them on the sea. And when he got close enough, they thought it was a ghost. <laughs> they didn't recognize him. It was that dark and stormy, and they were frightened and scared. But he saw them clearly. And not only that, he came to them. He came to them. Then he said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Every abortionist should read that. Fetus. That's all it's called. Fetus. Not a human being. Not something that was made in the image of God. Just a fetus. It's my body. My choice. My body. No. A human being. Made in the image of God. God knit that together in your womb. He made all the delicate inner parts of my body, knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And David didn't have an X-ray machine or an MRI machine. He didn't have isotopes or stethoscopes. He didn't have anything. If David could see what we know now, <laughs> then he would shake his head and... He, he, he wouldn't be able to handle it. He says, you made me so complex. He had no idea how complex we were made. Scientists are still trying to figure it out to this day. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. <coughs> Every single detail of your human body. It's so complex. <laughs> it's so wonderfully made. It's astounding, isn't it? You haven't time to go into all of it. You think of your DNA for a start, that they're only, within this past few decades, are only finding out. The amazing complexity of DNA is incredible. And every cell in your body's got it. But look at that. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. 
How precious are your thoughts about me, O God, they are innumerable. I can't even count them. <coughs> Excuse me. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake in the morning, you are still with me. Amen. And then he quickly changes tack. It almost seems out of place, but it isn't. He says, Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murders. They blaspheme you. Your enemies take your name in vain. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who resist you? Yes, I hate them with complete hatred or perfect hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Hmm. That's a difficult passage, isn't it? Because Jesus says, love your enemies. He says, love your enemies. We're not to hate our enemies. In fact, we're to bless those who despitefully use us. He's, he's talking about those who hate God. We can't love the Hitlers and the Stalins. We can't love the tyrants. They hate God. And we hate them with a perfect hatred. Not talking about somebody who's done us harm because we're to forgive. <laughs> and we're to bless. But those who hate God, who despise the living God, who shake their fist at God and blaspheme him, David says, I hate them with a perfect hatred because they hate you. Mm. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See the details that God is concerned about? See all the things that, that we think are little things, and yet they're of interest to God? Every single thing in your life is of interest to God. And so we can put ourselves in his care and keeping, can't we? <laughs> You know, when your children are growing up, you care about every detail of their lives, don't you? You care about them. You do. If you're a good parent, you do. You love them. Every detail. You want the best for them. You're planning for them. You're working ahead for them. You're doing all of that to bless them. And we're God's children. How much more? How much more? Who knows every detail, even before we were born, he knew us. <laughs> and in you will be made in his image. And he's a plan for every one of our lives, every single one of us, without exception, he's a plan for us. And we need to find that plan and just walk in it and discover his blessings that he's stored up for us. Amen? Lord, we thank you that everything about us is of interest to you. You care about the little things, not just the big things, that we pray about, but the little details. So help us to see, Lord, your goodness, your incredible care of every detail. Help us, Lord, to look to you afresh and say, God, you care that much about me. You truly, truly love me that much that even the hairs of my head are counted 
every time I shed a tear, Lord, you put it in your bottle. So we give you thanks today for all of your rich blessings, for the many, many ways that you bless us on a daily basis. The Bible says he daily loads us with benefits. We thank you for them today. We thank you for who you are, for all of your goodness towards us, the sons of man. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.